Well, amen. It's good to see Micah uh, playing for us. That was awesome. I love to see our younger uh, members uh, taking part in worship and leading us. I'm going to steal the big one. I like this big podium. Sorry, Brian. I'll put it back, I promise. I won't steal it forever. Well, we have come uh, to the third week in our Hope series. And last week, if you'll remember, uh, Dr. Dillon uh, did a great job helping us understand what this hope is. Uh, he reminded us that it's a confident expectation. It's not just some wish that we throw out there, of maybe this will happen. Hope is actually founded upon belief that this is going to take place, that Jesus is the Messiah, that He truly is our Savior, that He will return. And so when we think about hope around Christmas time, we think about the birth of Jesus Christ. And this morning, that's exactly what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the fulfillment of our hope, which comes in Jesus. You know, for me as a pastor, it's easy to get caught up in you. And what I mean by that is, as pastors, we're called to feed the sheep, so to speak. We're, we're called to shepherd the sheep and to feed you through God's Word. But the real reason that I'm up here this morning is because God called me to do this, and I do it out of worship to Him. This is for Him. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you forget why you do what you do. I, I want to serve you. I want you to be fed but most importantly, I want my Lord and Savior to be glorified in what I do. Amen. And I think as we, as we look at this text, we're going to see some great things, maybe some things that you've always seen, but I want, you to, I want to ask you the question, do you rejoice in the gift or do you rejoice in the giver? Where is your treasure found? Are you in this relationship with God because you love the gift or are you in this relationship with God because you love Him? And as we study this text this morning, I hope that you see it through that light. I hope that your answer is most assuredly Him. Because He is much greater than even the gift. So, many have heard this story. Many can recite it. Many can give even the small details of Jesus being born. Yet many do not realize that this story is the key to evangelism. I can ask all of you in this room, tell me the story about Jesus being born, and most of you will be able to do that. But if I ask you, can you share the gospel with me? Clearly, concisely, to where I could pray to receive Christ, many of you would start, your knees would start buckling, and you'd look at me and say, maybe, maybe I can. There's a big fear in the United States of America, in our church, about sharing the gospel. We feel like we're not going to do it good enough. We feel like we're going to let God down in, in, the, in the way we share it. We, we feel like we're going to leave something out or we're not going to emphasize the right part. And the fact of the matter is, in this story here in Luke 2, when we see Jesus' birth, we see the gospel presented for the very first time. Presented by an angel, God's messenger. And we see it done perfectly. If you'll focus in on the announcement that the angel makes... You can share the gospel effectively. You can be a great evangelist. Will you look with me at Luke chapter 2? We're going to read verses 1 to 21. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this message, Lord. The greatest news that the world will ever hear. Father, you sent your son, Jesus. He came for us. Lord, for the first time, peace on earth. Since Genesis 3, when sin entered, peace on earth. Father, I pray that this morning there be peace in our hearts. As we ponder the good news of the gospel, as we focus on you and your goodness, Lord, may our response be glory to you in the highest. Father, may you be lifted high this morning as we remember what you've done for us, as we ponder what you continue to do for us. And Lord, as we worship you, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dive into the meat of this passage, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you've overlooked this before. Do you think it was by chance that Jesus was born in a manger? Do you think it was by chance that His birth was announced to shepherds? You see, I don't. And as you study the Scriptures, you see that God is sovereign, meaning that He is over and ruling over all things. And I think that God knew exactly where His Son would be born. I think He knew exactly who His Son's birth would be proclaimed to. And when you think about a a ruling king, the King of kings and Lord of lords, when you think about Him being born, you don't think couldn't even stay at the local motel. You don't think laying in a manger, a trough for feeding animals. You don't think out in the cold of the night with no place to lay His head. You don't think about that. But that's exactly what God gives us. That's exactly where Jesus was born. And when you think about the heralding of a king coming forth, who is it proclaimed to? It's told to lowly shepherds who are out in the field. Men of no renown. Men who are not highly respected. 
the lowest of the low. And God did that on purpose. You see, it's a theme that we see throughout Jesus' life, whether it's Him bowing His knee and washing the feet of His disciples, or whether it's Him hanging on a cross for us. We see that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And there's a reason why He's born in a a way such as this. Why would God have His Son born in Bethlehem, a lowly city, to a young married couple that's profession was carpentry, Not real exciting. Not big money. And why would he be out in the stable, out back, because there's no room for him in in the inn? Let me tell you about the shepherds in the day of Jesus. Shepherds, they had bad reputations. The nature of their work meant that they couldn't observe Israel's ceremonial laws. They were considered unreliable, and they couldn't even give testimony in law courts. Their testimony didn't even count if they came before a judge. That's what kind of reputation these men had. They were a despised class of people. And yet to these lowly men, the angel gives the highest theology. The greatest announcement that we'll see. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, this is the only time in the Gospels that this phrase is used. It's the only time we see all the titles of Jesus brought together. Savior, Messiah, and Lord. All three used in one. What's Messiah? Messiah, the Greek term we use is Christ. The promised deliverer of Israel. He will save His people. He is the promised Messiah. He is the Christ. And most staggering of all, He is God, maker and ruler of all. The angels not only give the gospel to the shepherds, but they give the true identity of Christ. And so what I want you to do in your, in your outline there that you have, the first thing I want you to notice is that the Messiah's birth was lowly, and it was announced by angels to shepherds. It's not the most profound note you've ever took in your life, but if you think through it, it's a big deal. It affects the way we live. It affects the way we view ourselves as Christians. If we are followers of Christ Jesus... Did we come to be served? Or are we here to serve others? Do we put off this aura as though we are something special? As though we're something to be worshipped? As though we're something deserving? Or do we do like Christ and we humble ourselves? And we care for others above and over our needs? Well, now we'll get into the meat of the passage. The birth of Jesus brought... Four things I want you to see. The first thing is good news of great joy for all people. For all people. A couple of things stand out to me from this announcement in verse 10. The fact that this is good news of great joy. Joy. This announcement of good news of great joy is where we get the word gospel. It's where it all started. We we talk about gospel. Gospel means good news. This is the good news of great joy that we talk about, that we go and share with other people. A Savior has been born. Not just a Savior, the Christ has been born. Not just the Christ, Lord has been born in Bethlehem. Good news of great joy for all people. The Gospel there is present. You want to be a faithful evangelist? Just remember those three things. You want to be a faithful evangelist? You want to share the gospel and not miss anything? Explain to them that Jesus is Savior. 
Explain to them that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And explain to them that Jesus is Lord. And you will not miss the gospel. You can't miss. It's a home run every time. The fact that this is for all people is the second thing that I want you to see. You see, the Jews, they thought that the Messiah was for them alone. If you remember, they were hoping for someone who would come and kick the Romans out. They didn't like the Romans. They didn't want the Romans to be saved. They wanted the Romans gone. They wanted the Romans destroyed. And they wanted their Messiah to come and set up His earthly kingdom for them. In fact, true Jews are still waiting on that day to come. They still await the Messiah because they didn't believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, Genesis 18.18 says this, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Why is it that all nations on earth were blessed through Abraham's seed, through his line? It's because of Jesus Christ that all nations would be blessed. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's why at Christmas time we're glad that the Chinese people are celebrating Christmas even if they don't get it. At least it's a way that we can just have a conversation with them. Here's why we celebrate it. We have a Christmas parade, right? We talked about this uh, last week. Our youth, they won the, the, the best uh, float, out, uh, the highest award you can get. What was the theme? Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. What a great tool for us to use. How many people do you know that don't celebrate Christmas here in the United States of America? I don't know any. You might know somebody. Maybe, maybe they're strict Jew or something, but I don't know. I don't know a single one. What a great opportunity for us to share the good news of the gospel. You see, God's plan all along wasn't just to redeem the Jews. God's plan all along was for all nations to be blessed through the line of Abraham. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's simple, yet such a big deal, that there is not one who cannot be saved. That's how sufficient the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins is, that there is not one who can out His grace. There is not one who cannot be forgiven. What a great deal that is. Is this not good news? Everyone you know, even those, those ones that you look back and you say, man, they're so bad. Maybe you have a, a kid that's the prodigal son, so to speak, and they're living their life like hell, basically. And you're thinking, no, no, no. They can be saved. Maybe you have a friend you grew up with in high school. They were best friends with you, and they've gone off, and they've lived a terrible life. Maybe they're in jail, they're in prison. They too can be saved. What good news that anyone can be saved just as through one man, Adam, all sinned. Likewise, through Christ, all can be cleansed, forgiven, and redeemed. That's what the angel announces here. Good news for all men. There's not one that cannot be saved. Good news for all people. Not just you, for everyone. They need to hear it, don't they, church? Do they need to hear the good news of the gospel? Do we truly believe that? And do we live it? Do we share it? Second thing I want you to see, a Savior, the Christ. A Savior, the Christ. The birth of Jesus brought a Savior. Not just a Savior that saves us from hell when we die, 
though that's a huge part of it. But Paul speaks of salvation as past, as present, and as future. We have been saved. We are being saved now. And one day we will be saved. Those who are alive in Christ have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved. Jesus didn't come just so you could spend eternity in heaven, but also that you may have life and life abundant now. When we talk about a Savior, we're not just talking about you're saved from hell. We're talking about He saves you every day. Every day. I want you to think about some of the things that people go through. We've been saved from slavery to sin. We've been rescued from the prince of this earth, Satan. We once served Him. We once loved Him. Why? Because He gave us the desires of our flesh. Some of you, you you still may desire those same things. You still want those things. You've not made Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you chase and pursue those things and it's like Satan's just leading you around. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. You remember when he took Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple and he said, look out and as far as you see, I'll give it all to you. Some of you just want that. You want the stuff. You want the world. You're pursuing those things. And Satan leads you around like a little toy. Whatever lust, whatever passion, whatever desire you have. And he's king and he's Lord in your life. You see, but Jesus came to save us now. To save us from that sin that destroys us, that easily entangles us. You see, we are being saved. 2 Corinthians 2.15 For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. I want you to recognize that this isn't just the one time where you prayed the prayer 10 years ago and you walked the aisle and you're saved and it's done and your salvation is done. You are being saved today. And God wants to save you today. He wants you to repent of your sin today. He wants to free you from the tyranny of Satan. He wants to free you from the chains of sin. I want you to think about the results of sin in people's lives today. Think of the destruction it leaves in its path. How many children are out there feeling neglected, unwanted, and alone because of the sin of their parents? My wife's a a kindergarten teacher. If you sat down with her and heard some of the stories about the kids that she's taught just in five, almost six years of teaching, it's terrible. There's kids that their parents aren't home ever for a five-year-old kid, and they're all stinking cute. You would think, you know, if it's an ugly kid, maybe they would just leave them alone, right? But they're cute. But sin has destroyed their life. They don't even care for their own children. They're led and destroyed by that sin in their lives. How many spouses feel as though their lives are ruined because of the sin of their spouse? They married this person believing they'd be forever. They were going to start their life. They gave up their life and became one with them and started a new life. And guess what their spouse did? They didn't do the same. And they destroyed that marriage. They went off and served themselves. How many spouses are out there still broken, still hurting, because of what their husband or their wife did to them? How many families are missing a member this Christmas because of the sins of an alcoholic who decided they wanted to drive? 
They didn't care about other people. It was all about them and their sins. How many people are considering taking their own lives around Christmas time? You know that Christmas time is the time with the most self-inflicted deaths? When depression runs rampant? You see, for some it's joy, and for others it's the complete opposite. We have hope. And just like we talked about earlier, and just like you affirmed, they need to hear the hope. But those who don't hear the hope, those who don't believe the hope, those who don't understand the hope, guess what they're left with? Grief. Pain. Chains. There's no freedom outside of this news. There's no freedom outside of the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. If we love them, we will go and we will share the good news. And I want you to recognize, church, that Christ is saving today. He's saving you today from sin. You see, yes, He saved you on that day you believed and you repented and you turned from your sin. And yes, He will save you on that day when He declares you righteous finally at that great white throne judgment. But today, He is still saving you from sin and from death. Do you recognize that? Think through it. You see, sin is prevalent. Satan is destroying. And there are walking dead all around. But Jesus brings good news. He has the power and authority to save, not just from hell, but to save you from sin now. Good news. Good news. Third thing that his birth brought, peace on earth. We see that in verse 14. It says this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who can please God? Stand up if you can please God this morning. There's not a one of us in our own power with whom God is pleased. If you stood up, I was going to have to get you. It have been rough. There's not a one within our own power who can please God. Who is He pleased in? Sunday school answer. Number one, Jesus. That's with whom He is well pleased. And here the angels, they say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. How will He be pleased with us? Sinners, broken We'd be the alcoholic driving. We'd be the ones abandoning our family. We'd be the ones lost, slaves to our sin if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. It would be us. There's not a one of us good on our own. And yet He's saved us. He's redeemed us. What a good, good Father. Peace on earth. One of my favorite Christmas songs is by Casting Crowns. It's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And in the song, he questions this peace on earth. You know, you think about it, we talk about it as a church, oh, peace on earth, peace on earth. But you start looking around and what do you see? Chaos. Destruction. The things I just read about. Everywhere. A higher and higher divorce rate. Right? Uh, more and more lust on TV all over. It's all around us. It's everywhere. There's 10-year-old kids with pornography on their phones. I mean, it's just terrible things. If you go into a high school, it's all over this language and just, oh, it's just filth and we see no peace. We see fighting. 
Either you're, you're a make America great again guy or you hate the make America great again guy. You, it's, it's whatever. It's division. It's quarreling. And in this song, he addresses it. Let me read it for you. It says this, I, I heard the bells on Christmas Day and their old familiar carols play. And mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth. Like a choir they're singing, peace on earth. And in my heart I hear them, peace on earth, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Listen to this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing, peace on earth, like a choir singing, Peace on earth. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Peace on earth. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Do you hear the bells that are ringing? Peace on earth. The life, the angels singing. Peace on earth. Open up your heart and hear them. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. You see, the peace isn't out amongst the world. The peace is right here in the heart that believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding. What is that peace? That is the peace that we have when we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the peace that when you make a mistake, when you fail, when you fall into sin, that you know it's going to be okay. It will be okay because I am redeemed. I am Christ's and he is saving me. He will save me and he has saved me. It's okay when your marriage falls apart. It's okay when your kids run off and they go their own way. Why? Because your faith is in Jesus Christ and you have a peace that surpasses all understanding that whatever you go through, whatever hardship of this life, you know that you have Him. You know that He's with you and you know that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Isn't that what we're looking for with our spouses when we get married? Someone who will love us despite our stinky feet, despite our bad breath in the morning slash evening, despite our anger issues, our, our, our failure in certain areas. We just want them to love us. Isn't that what Christ is? He's that perfect spouse. We, his bride, his church, we look to Him in every trial, in everything that goes on in this life, in every failure we have, and we have peace because He is faithful, because He is good, because He has paid it all for us. And this is the good news that we receive. We have peace on earth. Where's this peace on earth? It's in our hearts. 
And the Jews were looking for a Messiah that would give them peace as far as the Romans were concerned. They wanted a conquering Messiah that would kick the Romans out of the kingdom and bring them peace. But what we see instead is this peace that surpasses all understanding. We begin to see the unfolding of a story as you start reading the scriptures. You see a church persecuted in horrible ways, so bad that they thought that the Antichrist was there. They thought Nero was the Antichrist. He would set them on fire. He would torture them. He would destroy them. And yet we see this church persecuted so badly, yet at peace. We see broken, sinful, rebellious men and women restored in relationship to a perfect, holy, mighty God. We see a world in chaos, yet the church of Jesus Christ standing firm and at peace. Do you have that peace? When the world around you crumbles and falls apart, when the loved one dies, when you make a mistake and hurt someone around you, when you're sick, when you're worn out, when you lose your job, when your kids are driving you crazy, when you don't have enough money to pay your bills, when your friends abandon you, can you be found singing? Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Do you have that peace that the angels sing and declare here in chapter 2 of Luke? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Last thing I want you to see this morning, the birth of Christ brought glory and praise to God. It brought glory and praise to God. You see, this was the response of the shepherds after hearing and seeing the good news of Christ's birth. So many people miss this. We miss this part. You see, the proper response to the gospel is our glorifying and praising God. Why is it that we teach our kids to say thank you? Have you ever thought about this? Something so simple, but I don't think we take the time to think it through. Why do we teach our kids to say thank you? We call it manners, right? Because manners. That's what a good southern boy does. Right? Say yes, ma'am. Right? That was the hardest thing for me to learn when I first moved here. Uh, when, uh, growing up in Wisconsin, if you called somebody ma'am in Wisconsin, you were calling them old, and they were offended. And when I first moved down here, I had a pastor, and he was kind of like a grandpa. And, I mean, he got on to me real good. It seemed like every word I said, it should have had sir or ma'am afterwards, Right? Ma'am, sir, ah, yes. And then I had to drink sweet tea and eat grits. It was terrible. It was a terrible time. It was tough. Why do we teach these manners? Why do we teach thanks? Well, to give thanks is, it's right, isn't it? Isn't it the right response to a free gift? You did nothing to earn it. It's a gift. So you should give thanks. That's the correct and proper response to the good news of the gospel is to give thanks. Why do we pray and never give thanks? Because we're, we don't get it. We think we deserve it. We think we're earning our righteousness. We think we're earning God's favor. And we never could, but we get caught up in it. You feel closer to God when you're doing all the good things. And then when you sin and you mess up, you feel like you're far away from Him. But it, neither one's true. He's there with you through it all. He's not more pleased with you when you're at sitting in the pew right now than He is when you're out messing up. You're His. 
You've been redeemed. You've been saved. Yet we fall into that trap over and over again. I want you to imagine with me two sets of parents. It's Christmas Day. It's Christmas morning. You wake up and you got gifts for the kids. And you got a, a little boy. And he comes down and he's all excited. I mean, he can't wait to open the Christmas gifts. You remember the feeling? You could hardly sleep that night before. And he comes down and his parents have this big gift. You know how you, you get those little gifts, but then there's always like that one that's kind of hiding away? If you saw the Christmas story, you know, the, the BB gun was kind of hidden off to the side. He opened all the other presents. We don't even know what those were when you think about the story, right? I have no idea what Ralphie had other than the Red Rider BB gun, right? You got that one present, and the little boy, he goes to that present, and he opens it up. Oh, man, it's exactly what he wanted. It's exactly what he wanted. And he takes it, and he runs off, and he goes and plays with it. He never says thank you. He doesn't even acknowledge his parents. He just goes, and he enjoys the gift. And then you got the Johnsons down the road. And their little boy, he comes downstairs, and he's excited, and he's got that one big gift. And he goes to open, and he tears the packaging open. Oh, there it is. It's what he always wanted. You know what he does? He starts to cry. He starts to cry and he goes to his parents, thank you so much. It's what I always wanted. I can't believe, I, I know this was so expensive. I didn't think I'd really get it. Thank you. And he gives the proper response. And he hugs his parents and he spends time with them. And then what's he do? Then he goes and he enjoys the gift. But first he enjoyed the giver's. He enjoyed his parents. They were the ones with whom he was pleased. They were the ones with whom he could rejoice. The gift is fine, but don't miss the giver. Don't miss the giver. See, one child recognizes this gift to be something they deserve, and the other child recognizes this gift to be something they should be thankful for because it was given to them at someone else's expense. This should be our response when we look back and we hear the good news of Christ's birth, recognizing the great cost of Jesus to redeem us. The greatest cost we could ever imagine. Glory and praise be unto God. Glory to God in the highest. That is the correct response for us. And those who truly understand the gospel and its costs will stand alongside the angels proudly and you'll declare highest praise to the Savior of the world. You won't miss it this Christmas. You'll get with Him. You'll embrace Him. You'll experience Him. And there's nothing better Nothing better than that peace that comes with being in right relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of all things, our Father, our spouse, as the scripture talks about it, the one who is faithful to the end, who will never leave us and never forsake us. Don't miss him 
this Christmas. In conclusion, there's a reason it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus' arrival was announced to lowly shepherds, the gospel is for those who recognize their wretchedness. That's who the gospel's for. Jesus didn't come for the entitled and those who think they deserve this gift. He came for those who were broken, those who were lost, and those who were weary, the tired. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus declares, Come, all who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I stand before you all this morning and I declare to you that I have found that to be true. That when I put my faith in Jesus, when I trust in Him, it is light, the burden that I carry. I have found Him to be good. I have found Him to be faithful. And I hope that you have too. Have you received peace here on earth? where everything else is falling down around you. Do you have peace this Christmas? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Messiah, as Lord? Brian, I'm going to ask you, if you'll come and and we can sing a song together, I'll be down front. If you've not received this peace, I'll explain it to you the best I can. But really, what, what really matters is that you understand and believe in your heart. What really matters is that you experience the giver and not the gift. There's only one way. There's only one way. And it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is, He came. He was born. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid it all. And He rose again from the grave three days later. And one day, He's going to come back and He's going to get His. He's going to get His bride. He's going to get His people. And there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. We'll enjoy Him forever. He is the greatest gift. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this great gift that we focus in on this morning. God, we've heard the Christmas story over and over again. Father, we know the gift that you gave us. But Father, if we don't experience you, the gift loses its power. Father, we need you. Well, we need you every hour of every day. And you are so, so good. Father, I pray that this morning we would give you the glory and the praise that you are due. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning that they've never experienced that peace, Father. They are caught up in the world and the burdens that this world brings and the weight of their sin. And Father, they, don't, they can't hold it. They can't bear it. Father, I pray this morning that they would come to you, that they would bow their knee. They would submit to you as Lord and let you take that burden from them. Lord, may the tired and weary come to you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.